This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of toxic and abusive relationships, including a relationship between an adult and minor, unsupportive family, involuntary outing, exclusion in queer spaces, use of homophobic slurs, and harassment by a customer. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jay. My name is CJ, and we are your co-conspirators in trying to figure out whatever it is that cishet people think it is we're doing. Uh, CJ, what's on the buy schedule for today? It's not My Gay Agenda today, it's My Vin Agenda. I'm trying to think of it. My, <laughs> my Gay of, of Vinda. My Gay Vingenda. Uh, vin, vin for Vendetta. I don't know. <laughs> my Gay Vendetta. I, I, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm not here for an agenda. I'm here for a vendetta. Like, agenda feels a little bureaucratic. I'm more interested in kind of maybe some, some revenge, some, spicing it up. Hell I yeah. love that. Everybody also. put on your gay fox masks. Vin is here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Also, apologies to CJ for the spikes when I got very excited about that pun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. How are you doing today, Vin? Um, oh, we're gonna I'm doing. Up. I'm doing pretty well. It's a. Uh, I actually don't know what temperature it is here today. Let me look it up. It's a beautiful. Drum roll. Thirty-seven degrees and sunny. Um, that's. <laughs> It, 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 the weather, she is a little crisp, but like in the, in the nice way. Yeah. I mean, I like cold weather, but I also am not really going outside much except for work. So. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Ditto. It's especially tough. Like, cause I'm, I'm fun employed right now. So um, <laughs> I don't, I don't have an excuse to go outside really. So mm. I have to like force myself to go outside and it's harder in winter when it's like, you can think of any reason to not go outside. Like, ooh, the air is a little too spicy today. Just mm-hmm. gonna stay in, sitting yeah. on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. All my bundles are in the wash. I can't leave the house. Surely I must sit on the couch playing Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. And that is what the Earth is telling me today. Yes. That is the message I'm getting from Mother Gaia. God would not have invented several streaming services if I was meant to go outside. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little about you, Vin. Um, well, I am the individual, maybe the experience known across social media platforms as at Hologram Vin, but also what I do is I'm a writer. I do science fiction, um, and pretty much every story I write has a trans protagonist and often the protagonists are non-binary lesbians um i write poetry i um also do graphic design and illustration i've helped several people i know make book covers for the books they were publishing um i also just make art and i sell prints of what i make and yeah i do a, a little bit of everything there are also like two twine game concepts I've been working on for a while. Will I ever finish them? Who knows? But they're in my brain. So anything's possible. Mm. And you're really a jack of all trades, huh? Um, Yeah. I mean, I also like can also make music, but I don't consider myself a musician. It's a little bit, a little bit too much mayhaps. (laughs) I was about to ask, where do you draw that line? Because I'm in a similar boat where I'm like, I have instruments, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's that when I do music, I'm either doing it for a project I consider a writing project, or I'm doing Mm. it because I simply have concepts for songs 
uh, because I've been doing songwriting since I was um, like seven because I am from Nashville, Tennessee originally. So I just grew Mm. up in a very musical place. Mm. Um, And the thing is, I don't ever like it's never going to be my career. I'm never going to pursue being a musician as a career. I'm only like, if I do make an album, I'll make an album and I'll publish it. If people like it, good for them. I'm not someone who's ever really interested in going in like live performances, that being my main form of income, touring, merch. Like I enjoy making music as something I enjoy to do. But if Mm. I tried to make it into a career, I think it would make me really miserable. So Mm. that's why I don't really consider myself a musician because it's never going to be a career thing for me. But, like, if your definition of a musician is someone who makes music, sure. But for me, it's like, I don't want to... It's also, if I say I'm a musician, people will expect music from me. Mm. And I don't Ah. want anyone to have that expectation. Relatable, relatable. It's like, I will tell you what you can ask for me. But uh, if you're asking for the things I never publish, you will not receive. So just expect disappointment. Mm. <laughs> uh, so uh, guide us on your queer journey, Ben. Oh, where do we start? Well, first of all, I am the oldest child in my family. And then I have six younger siblings because we were Catholic and I grew up in the American South. So mm. I think that creates a very interesting experience um, because like pretty much my whole world for like the first like 15, 16 years of my life was going to Catholic school and going to mass and basically having to be a third parent in my family. Mm. Um, And growing up in a household where like we were intentionally given very little access to TV, very little access to news, very little access to the internet um, and kind of just not knowing there are a lot of different things out there until in high school things had changed to the point where if you didn't have internet access you couldn't do the schoolwork because Mm. of how education had developed by that time so getting that internet access being able to join different social medias is how i first became exposed to these things because my community took a different approach than other catholic communities and that they went by a kind of don't ask, don't tell, just pretend it doesn't exist, never mention it ever, and then no one will ever know. So I had just didn't know, and I had no idea that those things existed until I was exposed to them in a positive way, which meant I never got exposed to a religious education of these things are bad before I was exposed to these things exist, and they are good. And I think that was helpful. Um... Before I really began to question gender or sexuality, I got exposed to the concept of feminism. I have a lot of very distinct memories of going to the large warehouse used bookstore and looking through the feminist section, but only picking like cheap used books that didn't imply they were feminist texts because I had to make sure my mom didn't know that that's the books I was picking. Um, And then... Eventually, I just began to question my sexuality and my gender, and it took me a while, but then around when I was 17 and after I had dropped out of high school, I came out as non-binary online, and then within a few months from that point, unfortunately, I got outed to my parents by one of my siblings and then I was in a pretty sticky situation um I ended up going to live with uh my grandmother on my dad's side for a while because I just couldn't be in the same house as my mom anymore um and then from that point part of the whole situation at that time was that I had developed a relationship with someone even who was an adult although I was a minor um and that is obviously we are very much not on speaking terms today but at the time that was kind of the only person I had 
there to support me through this. And so we worked together and then I like cut off contact with my biological relatives when I turned 18 and I moved to Washington to live with her, the person I was with. Um, That was a really negative and toxic environment that I lived in for two years during the middle of which we moved to the suburbs of Seattle that fell apart. So then I was kind of in Seattle on my own and figuring things out as a young adult. And, um, that was a lot. I worked at Starbucks for like three years and I have so many horror stories I could tell. Um, Oh, I imagine. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's the things people have no idea what baristas go through unless they've been one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, couple things happened over the years and now I am where I am now, which is the East coast. And I really am trying to focus on, Hey, how do I build a life where I want to stay somewhere? And I want to have a stable adult existence to the best of my abilities and just enjoy being a person in my local community. Hmm. Yeah, we actually talked before uh, the recording about, like, trans and queer spaces and, like, living situations and your experiences seemed issues heavy, um, if you want to elaborate on that. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different things. And, like, obviously, it's one thing to be in a toxic or negative or abusive situation or relationship with someone. Obviously, (laughs) that's bad. And I do think the way the community addresses abuse isn't necessarily helpful. For example, I've known a lot of people that have been outed as having abused or mistreated or traumatized someone. And what everyone does is that they kind of treat it like an entertainment or like a sport for them. And like, how quick can we run this person off the internet? And what happens is the person deletes their account. They change their name. They move to a different city. They make a new account. They rebrand they start over, the behavior continues. Because Mm -hmm. actually solving the issues cannot be solved by exile and ostracization. It unfortunately does take work to help a person change and stop those behaviors, um, which is very upsetting and difficult for anyone to do. So I understand why people don't want to do it. But it's also like the way people approach it, like this is how I find a sense of justice for what happened to me. Or even, like, this is how I find a sense of justice for something I've never even experienced. Like, very, um, this is how I make myself feel better about myself. Does not actually care about what the survivors want. When mm-hmm. often the survivors want is, I want to know I'm safe. And I want to know that this person's never going to hurt anyone else ever again. And yeah. no one ever really realizes to get that result takes more work than that. And that's one part of it. But I also think that, like... Then when I was out of that environment and I was trying to figure out who I am, where I fit into in my community, I also felt very pressured kind of by um, both on social media and in person, kind of like, this is what a non-binary person should look like. Or like, if you're going to be a public figure trying to represent the non-binary community, whether or not that's ever something you wanted to do. Here are Mm. things that you as a person should be trying to normalize. Mm. And a lot of that was that so much of social media posts I see are kind of like, say, non-binary people don't owe you androgyny. Very true. And also that normalize non-binary people wearing makeup, normalize non-binary people doing this, normalize non-binary people being feminine, blah, 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 blah. And so I felt that that is something I had to do. And I did that for a long time without under, like, even though it made me very dysphoric to be doing those things, because I thought like, if I want to represent what this community wants, this is what I have to do. Cause I was trying to make people happy instead of thinking, what do I want? What makes me happy? Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually when I realized that is what had been happening and I chose to start going on testosterone, Um, immediately a lot of people who had like been super interested in me and my work or who had even been my friend or like had wanted to be friends dropped me. And it was just like, oh, okay. The moment I stopped kind of performing femininity for other people and began to really emphasize, Hey, I'm actually trans androgynous, which means I'm not 
masculine or feminine. And, oh, hey, I'm also on testosterone. Just a lot of people kind of felt almost overnight were like, no, ew, this is not what we want. Um, mm. Mm. And I would say that in, in in-person spaces, a lot of times you'll go to somewhere and it's like very much, it has a mentality I'm planning to write an essay about very soon explaining what this term means, but I call it femininity essentialism, where often people organizing or coordinating events or spaces try to form a sense of solidarity through pretending there is a inherent political class of being a feminine person rather than recognizing the actual issues at play. And the problem with femininity essentialism is it's not actually welcoming to all feminine people. Femininity essentialism purports to be welcoming to people who are um, feminine, but then often ends up excluding or just being hostile towards trans women, being hostile towards feminine people of color, um, and being hostile towards feminine um trans people who are transmasculine, trans men, like who don't look or sound or act a certain way. Um, yep. How many times do we see women in non-binary spaces where it's literally like, like ju- only welcoming to people who were assigned female at birth? Yeah. And like, there's a big historical precedent for that too, is that like, um, especially in hookup and like sexual spaces in like the 2000s, before the 2010s where things began to slowly maybe get a little better for some trans people. Um, But in the 2000s, hookup stuff was like, come to the queer femme orgy party. However, no natal males, no natural penises. Right. And that's a Mm. real thing that was very common during that time. Um, And now Mm. they kind of try to do that same thing, but they try to pretend that they're not doing that. Mm. And it's like, um, I was making a joke about this the other day. I found out that at some point, at least last year, the year before, Chicago had something that was called the Queer Femme-Centered Masturbation Basement. Um, Sure. And I think that's a really great example because it's very funny, but it's also like Queer Femme-Centered. Okay, what does that mean? who is actually welcome in that space. Mm-hmm. Why are you choosing to focus only on these group of people? What is your reasoning for only focusing on this group of people? Are you recognizing that your concept of what a femme is or what femininity looks like may be influenced by your socioeconomic background, um, your racial background? Like, are you recognizing where your analysis is coming from? Oftentimes the answer is no. And it's funny to laugh about the Chicago queer femme centered masturbation basement, but there's a real point to be made there. Basically what I began to run into in a lot of these spaces is kind of uh, both like, well, I think lesbians are bad and okay. I mean, I understand you maybe have had some negative experiences, totally respect that, but that's weird to say, but also, um, very much even from other lesbians, even other non-binary lesbians, kind of like, well, I think butches, and I'm butch, I just want to say, right. are evil, they have toxic masculinity, uh-huh. and I'm like, uh, okay, um, that's not true. And like, just a belief that misogyny is only experienced by um, feminine people perceived as women, and... Mm-hmm. It's like, that's literally not true. That's literally (laughs) not true. That's not how it works. And how many times you like go in these spaces and you're trying to talk about like inter-community dynamics and you bring up trans misogyny and nobody knows what that word means. And you're like, damn, have you never interacted with a trans misogyny affected person in your life? Because that is the vibe I'm getting. I'm uncomfortable with the energy we have created in the studio today. Um... (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. There, There's like a certain amount where it's like you can tell that somebody's uh, experience and like queerness is like primarily in discourse. Where it's like mm-hmm. you get the people who are like, you're only allowed to say the word faggot if you're like a gay man. And it's like, 
no homophobe has been like, oh, sorry, you're not a faggot because of this, so I won't yeah. call you one. Like, who yeah. who do you think is so discerning? Like, I get called a dyke and I'm not a woman. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> they don't care. They, they it's so don't. crazy. I also think that, like, in the past, like, couple years, I just think that, like, it's so interesting. And we all know that, like, the way that we have been forced into the digitalization of everything and consuming content has kind of actually narrowed the things we know rather than expanding it. Mm. But I also think this applies to slurs and that I really think homophobes don't actually know the slurs anymore. I don't (laughs) think they are educated in the variety. They just think there's one and they're like, okay, this is the word we call gay people. It's, it's, it's so funny to me because it's like, imagine being less educated but in the ways to be bigoted that they don't even know that there's like 31 flavors of homophobic <laughs> they could be they're like no mm-hmm. we're gonna call you fag like okay great <laughs> you are the third customer this week like what do you want a free butter croissant you're not getting it <laughs> you said the peewees <laughs> the word of the day yeah it's like oh Ding, ding, ding. We got another one. I, I, like, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's genuinely funny to me to a certain extent because it's like, first of all, that is not accurate to me as a, um, non-binary lesbian, but also like, it is just so, it's just so funny because I just sit there like, you don't, you don't know any other words, do you? Yeah, now having more than two followers on TikTok, um, I get, like, every video I post now has at least one person come and be like, woman, girl, female, look at this girl, and it's like, you think you're the first motherfucker to call me a woman? Like, I'm not, (laughs) like, sitting here, like, crying on my chaise lounge because I got (laughs) called a woman. (laughs) Yeah, I surprisingly run into the opposite on TikTok. I have, like... I finally just got over a thousand followers a couple days ago, so I can go live, which is exciting. Mazel. Um, but I also like, because I talk about transmisogyny, because I'm trying to like help other uh, transmisogyny exempt people understand what it is and to stop doing it. Because unfortunately, I think a lot of them, their first exposure to gender theory has been probably through TERFs. And I'm trying to be like, Ugh. hey, stop calling people a male body, dear God. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm trying to be helpful, trying to be nice, trying to be educational. But because of that, I keep getting found by like rad femme TikTok. And so they all show up and they call me um, a man or they call me a male because I'm talking mm-hmm. about these things. And it's <laughs> like, oh, little do you know, oh, ye of little faith. Um, and it's like, no. I know why it's happening. It's not, it's intentional because they are trying to hurt trans women and they believe that anyone who actually disagrees with their ideology must be a trans woman and like Mm. therefore they are trying to be trans misogynistic towards me or at least towards any trans misogyny affected person who might see that i'm being having those things said to me Mm -hmm. um yeah it's uh interesting i got a really funny one Uh, i was from a new kind of turf i had never found before um israeli turf (laughs) yeah israeli turf so the insults were in hebrew so i had to put it through (gasps) google translate and i believe google translate said that they said look at this stupid green-haired gentleman must (gasps) smoke grass and i was like must smoke grass? I got asthma i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) is that an assumption or an order like, I don't know. I, I also think that Google Translate just is not very good at translating Hebrew. But I that's the sure. first time I've ever specifically been insulted and called a man in Hebrew. <laughs> but I just really love that it said green haired gentleman. It's very classy like, sounding. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's oh green haired gentleman. I'm, I'm not a man, but that's so formal. That's honestly very respectful. Thank you, Israeli turf. <laughs> That full comment sounds like it's the title of a song on Panic at the Disco's uh, Pretty Odd album. Yeah, right, right. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going, we're going, we're going Beatles style. All right. Speaking of the Beatles, <laughs> I think John Lennon was a serial killer. What do y'all think about that one? Uh, 
that's a, that's a fascinating theory to just drop in the chat. Um. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, it's you one of my, to my podcast. <laughs> okay, so but okay, well, I'll explain it to you, and I'll tell you why I have this theory because I think it would make a really interesting board game. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. So John Lennon was not a very nice person. Obviously, no, we know this. Yeah. Um, but he also like. There are several people where he got into fights with them. He had a manager who he, like, hit him on the head with a chair one time. Three years later, that manager died of a brain aneurysm. And then there was someone else he got in a fight with. And a few years later, they also died of a head problem. And, like, every time someone he had gotten in a fight with and injured died he would like write in his journal i feel so sad today everything that's wrong with the world is my fault i'm so hopeless and it's like it just feels like he was low-key a serial killer um (laughs) so what i think is they should make a new version of the board game clue where you know john lennon did it like he's always the perpetrator however you have to figure out where and how he did it and and uh, that's, wh- which beetle was his accomplice? <laughs> yeah, which beetle? Oh, that's that's a good one. That's a new feature. Okay, I'll, I'll put that in my notes for the John Lennon serial killer version of Clue. That's never gonna happen. <laughs> Clue colon Le- John Lennon did it. <laughs> was Ringo driving the getaway van? <laughs> was George Harrison simply observing? <laughs> George Harrison. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert, but it seems to me that George Harrison was the only kind beetle. I do not know. There's probably True. some fucked up stories out there, but like... No, no, I definitely think of the Beatles, he's the best one. Yes. I think yes. that's just an objective fact. But also, there are so many more interesting people to talk about rather than the Beatles. Yes. Which is an True. excellent segue into, Vin, what do you want to tell <laughs> cishet people for the very last time... And you'd never have to hear about it ever again. Oh, damn. Um, well, besides your serial killer John Lennon theory. Besides my serial killer John Lennon theory. Well, I do think um, I kind of have three main points I boiled it down to. Uh, that I believe trans liberation cannot happen without demolishing capitalism. Mm, yes. um, that a lot of people try to focus on gender abolition when really we should be looking at the abolition of biological sex as the social construct it is in the west and also that like i wish you would just stop inserting yourself and making everything about you and just sometimes we can be we can be quiet it's okay (laughs) not every thought has to come out sometimes they can live in brain Sometimes we can keep secrets to ourselves and we don't have to say everything that comes to the top of our brains. Sometimes we can keep a little diary or a little journal and we can write the feelings down and then they live somewhere else that isn't all over the internet and also in people's ears. Indeed. (laughs) Sometimes you can write that tweet and then delete the tweet. (laughs) Yeah. Leave it in your drafts. Sometimes you can write that tweet, delete it. I mean, well, write that tweet tweet it and delete it 10 seconds later and you get the energy of tweeting it and then it's mm. gone yeah yeah <laughs> and then somebody will be like wait did they say that oh and then oh you didn't <laughs> suddenly you didn't uh but yeah, yeah full agree with all three bullet points yes. uh, there's a lot of shit that would probably be solved by dismantling capitalism <sighs> tbh oh yeah so many we've issues. talked about this a few times but good lord turns out that it's the root of a lot of problems yeah, yeah, yeah indeed yeah. like the financial dependence upon people who treat us poorly whether mm-hmm. societally or interpersonally is fucked up yep the the amount like uh, the like in a hyper specific example of a bigger problem is like i i've worked in customer service and like patron services and stuff and the amount that you have to like fucking swallow what whatever bullshit transphobia people hand to you just because you could get fired otherwise mm-hmm. that is an absurd amount of power for a customer to have like 
That is a power dynamic that is absolutely goddamn unforgivable. Yeah, and, like, I could talk about this. Like, I, like, and when I worked at Starbucks, um, I was not someone who, like, let people misgender me and I didn't correct them. I was very, like, thinking of, like, I want to improve things for all the non-binary people who come after me because I thought that I would not get burned out by doing that. Um, mm. And... <laughs> So anytime someone was genuine me, I would correct them, and it caused a lot of issues. Unfor- like, the one time, unfortunately, I had a customer who was a middle-aged woman. Um, she was, unfortunately, Seattle does have some issues with, like, not adequately providing for houseless people, mm-hmm. and it just is a really, really bad environment over there. And the way SPD does things is just really messed up. The government in Seattle does not care at all. They're constantly making things worse. And so you will end up having a lot of houseless customers who obviously are going through a hard time mentally and socially. And the only way they can really respond to that is by being very bigoted towards uh, gay and trans people because there are many of them in Seattle. Um, and so she had ordered something and I made her her drink twice and it wasn't good enough. But then also she was misgendering me. So I corrected her cause that's just what I do. Um, and she just started, I've never really had anyone scream at me that way, but she like, also tried to reach over the counter and grab me because she was unfortunately threatening to kill me. So they did ask her to leave. And that is not the first time someone had threatened to kill me at that job. So I was not that disturbed, but it was also just a lot. But the thing is she kept prowling around the parking lot and it was the end of my shift and I couldn't leave because she was still out there screaming and like banging on the windows. And it's like, oh God, Jesus Christ! When I try to talk about that with people who don't get harassed for being gender nonconforming in public or at work, they like don't think that's a real thing that happens to people because it's never happened to them or their friends. And looping back to the conversation of like intra community dynamics, it's very mm-hmm. frustrating because they try to say because I'm not feminine, I have privilege, and it's like actually the fact I'm not feminine directly leads to literal verbal and physical violence that you Mm -hmm. do not experience because you are feminine in a way that society desires you to be feminine. And I wish there was kind of just a more understanding that like, Hey, actually when you like reject femininity as someone where society desires that from you, it makes people really mad. Yeah. Almost like there's nuances to the Gender subject of marginalization and marginalization yeah. and all that. <laughs> and it's not the masculine equals privilege, feminine equals oppressed. And also, if you're not feminine, you're inherently masculine. And if you're masculine, you're inherently bad. Yep. It's almost Funny like that everyone forgets everything... androgyny exists. It's nuts. Yes. <laughs> Darndest thing. <sighs> but yeah, excellent points. So set people write that down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Vin, what is on your gay agenda? So I actually just made a TikTok about this the other day. A beautiful song I found, but actually it ideologically aligns with all of the things I'd like to do. So let me uh, recite off the top of my head the lyrics to this song, which I love, um, because this is this song is my gay agenda. So, yes, it was us, Antifa, who... Uh, <laughs> stormed the capital uh here to make your wives get abortions and then leave you for transgender lesbians um yes it was us antifa who stormed the capital we're here to take your guns spread communism and blast cardi b in your churches (laughs) personally i would blast mitski but you know whatever people want why not both? Um, we all so got I, I am the the communist here to force your wives to get abortions and leave you for transgender lesbians. Um, and I will take I your guns that. and I will give them to people who should have guns, which are not you. Mm-hmm. 
And it, and it's good that you're willing to do it because I'm sure there's parts of that that not everybody wants to step up and do. So like, I'm glad that you're sort of taking initiative on those departments. Exactly. Yes, I yeah. really think I'm doing a service for the community. Yeah. Absolutely. As we've discussed on the show before, this agenda has a lot of items in a lot of different departments, and it's good to know that we have uh, different agents, so to speak, taking care of all of the aspects of the gay agenda. Indeed. Um, <laughs> I'm also here to just write science fiction, but like Ooh, that's yeah. that's for my my enjo- my personal enjoyment. This, right. What I like to do is write science fiction, um, but. There's only so much we can do what we love, and sometimes we must do what is required of us for a better society. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue that personal personal enjoyment is on the gay agenda as well. Yes. So yes, and. <laughs> uh, amazing. I love those. All right. Let's get into the game, shall we? The game. Oh, the game. Wonderful. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Jay, your camp counselor. Um, I'm never going to stop using that pun. It's so good, and I don't think you should stop. <laughs> uh, so, Vin, peeking around your uh, social media, I saw that you were a poet. And I also mm-hmm. noticed um, a recurring frog motif. Oh, no. Uh, not, not The frogs. Yes, I do love frogs. Uh, but I, the thing is, they've been co-opted into, like, a, people are like, all non-binary people love frogs. And I really hate that stuff, because I also mm. think it's a very white perspective to take. So I've kind of, like... I'm kind of pretending I don't like frogs anymore because I don't want people to think I'm that kind of person. I just have liked them for a long time. It's I, It would be great if people stopped making like broad sweeping yeah. stereotypes mm-hmm. about us. Now I feel um, like I can't even be like, yeah, I like mother mother because then everyone's going to think I'm like one of those people. I'm like, I'm not. I swear to God, I discovered them on eight tracks in middle school. It's Listen, as... And I think Jay agrees here to an extent. As a queer person who went to college for musical theater, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yes, the answer is yes, but not in that way. <laughs> the answer is yes, but also no. But also yes, but not in that way. Okay, anyways, yes, uh, there's poetry. Yeah, so if you like frogs in that way uh, that we just established... Mm-hmm. I tried to form a game that would sort of uh, work within the, 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 the Venn diagram, so to speak. I'm so oh sorry. Um, <laughs> of those interests. God damn it. <laughs> so I have created a game called Is This a Real Published Poem About Frogs or Did Jen Write It Last Night at 11 p.m.? Oh, wow. I think this is probably the best game I've ever played. <laughs> Thank you. They That's pitched a... this to me last night, and I was like, "This is iconic. You have to." <laughs> oh, this is this is great. Well, I hope it lives up to the uh, the hype. Um, CJ is not uh, privy to the construction of these games, besides maybe knowing a basic concept. Um, so you can use them as a uh, sounding board or lifeline. I'm also um, not okay. that privy to poetry, so sorry in advance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But also, again, it is like the lowest stakes thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> Okay. All right. Also, um, I want to note that poems can be very long, and um, I didn't Indeed. want this episode to be 500 years. So, uh, largely, these are excerpts from longer poems. Understood. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Your first poem. <clears throat> be kind and tender to the frog, and do not call him names. As slimy skin, or pollywog, or likewise ugly James. That is a real poem. I know that one. I've actually used it on my Patreon. I use quotes from that poem around badges for different tiers. <gasps> Amazing! <laughs> that is yes. so funny. That sounds like some T.S. Eliot bullshit. <laughs> it is very cats. <laughs> uh, I want Old Possum's Book of Frogs. Uh... <laughs> But yes, that was an excerpt from The Frog by Hilaire Belloc. I'm going yes. to do my best guess at these names of these poets. <laughs> I believe in you. All right, They're probably so dead, so they can't really come after you. <laughs> True. What are they going right. to do, sue us? Poem two. <laughs> One day a little tadpole gave out a mighty wail. I don't want to walk around on ground. I want to keep my tail. 
this one's difficult because it is written in the style of an older poem that seems like it is a real poem. However, I don't know if this is reverse psychology. <laughs> um, so we're gonna say, I think that that is, I think that that is also a real one. I wrote that one last night at 11 p.m. Oh no, I failed <laughs> yeah! the, I tried to reverse psychology, the reverse psychology. Uh, <laughs> I thought you had me there. <laughs> I, I was like, it's, it's like, the thing is, I was like, now here's the thing. What if they knew I was going to pick up on the reverse psychology? <laughs> reverse, I, reverse. I was sitting here just thinking, like, he just pulled the fucking heist of the century. Like, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, we're one to one. Uh, third poem. Lily pad floating, a frog sitting upon it. Oh, to no such peace. Okay, so that's a haiku. Um, the thing with haikus is that like they could literally come from anywhere <laughs> they're beautiful mm. that way um, however because they follow such a very easy format um, I think that that I don't know I keep saying I don't know hmm you know what? I think that you also wrote that one. I did. Oh, yeah. yay! <laughs> I knew. I knew that last line had to be you. <laughs> what to look at a frog and be like, man, I want to be that chill. <laughs> yeah, like here's the thing. I was really, I was like, either this is a real poem, but it's a poem that came from a tweet, or you wrote it. And I was like, you know what? Let's say that. Let's say that they wrote it. I am absolutely yeah. gonna tweet this haiku after the yeah, episode. Yeah, I'll, re- yes. I'll retweet it, of course. <laughs> bless all right uh poem four the old watch their thick eyes puff and foreclose by the moon the young heads trailed by the beginnings of necks shiver in the guarantee they shall be bodies well i think that's a real poem because it certainly um is a very interesting way to discuss a frog yes They will be bodies. Okay. That's my this is favorite. Like, oh, Loveland Frogman. Like, <laughs> my favorite description of a tadpole. Um, that is an excerpt from Vapor Train Reflected in the Frog Pond by Galway Kennel. Oh, what um, a beautiful title. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's a lovely poem um, about the horrors of uh, um, American preoccupation in Vietnam. Uh, but oh, that first well, bit I is about frogs. I love that already. I am very pro anti imperialist and anti military poetry. <laughs> it's it's a lovely we, poem. We um, love when our frogs are anti imperialist. All I think frogs are anti imperialist. Truly. I think if we had an <laughs> army of anti imperialist frogs, maybe leftists could actually get something done. Mm. I'm not wondering if Kermit, the, we can't get into it too much, but is Kermit the frog anti imperialist? It really, it depends on. It depends on the era, because That's I think true. in the seventies, yes, mm. um, probably being like owned by Disney now. No, current Kermit, yeah. current Kermit is absolutely a neoliberal, and that does pain me to say. Yeah, yeah, he literally fucks a pig, so <laughs> I think he's a cop apologist. Oh, no, sorry, Miss Piggy. Are you ready for your next poem? Yeah, of course. <laughs> a huge frog and I staring at each other. Neither of us moves. That's right, there's two haikus in this quiz. Damn. The thing is, the last haiku was you. So maybe this is to make me think that this other haiku is you. But maybe this is also to make me think that this other haiku <laughs> is you and it's not you. Or it's making me think it's making me think too many times. This is some uh, Princess Bride level metagaming. The thing <laughs> is, I can get really competitive with this stuff, and I'm I'm just I know it's I know it's just for fun, but I still want to win. Um, oh no, I I am very competitive. I, you don't gotta apologize for that. I'm just glad <laughs> oh that you've gosh. recognized that I'm the Vicenio Frog Poems. 
No, you've, <laughs> you've done some amazing work. I must say, I'm very, I am so pleasantly surprised. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, not surprised. That's a, the wrong term. <laughs> I'm so pleasantly rewarded with this experience. Oh, um, I'm going to say that a frog, we're looking at each other. That sounds like if you rewrote the Shia LaBeouf song to be about a frog. <laughs> Oh, yeah. actual cannibal frog looking in my eyes, uh, <laughs> I think is the title of this poem. I do think, um, I don't know, I'm going to have to say, I think that you wrote this one. Oh, no, this one is a real published haiku um, because my roommate made me uh, agree not to call my own poems not real because I wrote them and they're real. Anyway, this one was published. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Huge Frog and I by Kobayashi Isa. Ah. Um, all right. Well. I should have written down sorry. who the translator is. I did not write down who the translator is. My bad. Mm. All right. I'm sure they'll be okay. Final three. I write for you. I entertain. But frogs come out of the sky like rain. Frogs arrive with an ugly fury. You are my judge. You are my jury. I'm making this one into a song. I don't care who wrote it. Thank uh, you. Oh, if you did this in the style of Johnny Cash. <laughs> yes! I just like, you ever get g- gender envy, but for Johnny Cash and Frank Sinatra? Because mm. I do. Or like, Those are um, two distinct gender envies, and the answer is yes. My, yeah, my... it's just like, it's like, why can't I sound like that? <laughs> my Johnny Cash gender feelings have, in recent years, turned into Orville Peck gender feelings. Mm, mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see Ooh. that. Uh, I just think about, have you ever seen that picture of Johnny Cash where he's wearing the big old waiter boots, but they're like big old thigh-high boots? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that picture. So Amazing. Um, okay, so... Obviously, we got some rhymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of contemporary poets are afraid of rhymes because they're cowards. So if it is a poem, <laughs> it's an older poem. Um, however, it could also be something that was not published. Okay. I think that this was published. I think that yes. this is a poem. Yes. <sighs> this is an excerpt from The Frog Prince by Anne Sexton. Uh, oh. Which it occurs to me now that with all of the frog royalty, perhaps not all frogs are anti-imperialist? Mm. Wow. No, yeah. Some some frogs are dirty, dirty monarchists. It's true. Guillotine. Guillotine for the frogs. <laughs> Sorry, frogs. That sounds so... Sad. Frog revolution. Yeah. Guillotine a frog, but it must happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Damn. Uh, next poem. Would you call upon the fickle frog who lives on water and morass? Late at night, you'll hear his answer. Discordant calls from on the glass. Hmm. This one is very oh. beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> I think. I think this one was also published. This one was mine. Thank you so much. Yay! Oh, it's really good. It's <laughs> really you. good. It was so. Pretty. It was. I was. It was. It was. It was hard for me. This one was difficult, but I was also like, I don't know. Stop doing the deep meta game. Just go with instinctual. <laughs> I love rhymes. Uh, my, I, I read, I read, I tested this uh quiz on one of my roommates and one of my partners, and my partner didn't think this could be mine because, uh, in his words, who the fuck uses the word morass? Um. Yeah, that was kind of my reasoning as well. I was like, "Damn, okay, morat." Wow, that's uh, that sounds like someone who has a little bit of pretentiousness, which is necessary. But uh, I'll offer a little peek behind the curtain. You can find lots of words like morass on goodoldrhymezone.com. It's true. We do love rhymezone.com. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, your final frog poem. Once upon a time a frog croaked away in Bingle Bog. Every night from dusk to dawn, he croaked on and on and on. I really think the Bingle Bog... It's gotta be a published poem. It yes. Has to. <laughs> yes. 
the the bingle bong gives it away. I wish I came up with bingle bog. Um, or the fact that it I says on and on and on. That. It's spelled A W N to mirror dawn, and I love that. Um, oh my gosh! This is an excerpt from the Frog and the Nightingale by Vikram Seth. Beautiful. And that bingle was. Bong. Is this a real published poem about frogs, or did Jen write it last night? Write it last All night right. at eleven p.m. And I think uh, you won. Oh, great. I love Absolutely. it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for playing. <laughs> of course, I, I love to play games. Hooray. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on My Gay Agenda, Vin. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter or on TikTok at HologramVin. I also have a Patreon where for like a dollar a month, you get access to like all my short stories, anything I'm working on, screenshots of my process of any graphic design commission I'm working on or any art piece I've made. Um, you also get 10% off codes to my Gumroad store where I sell um, a few prints and at least one shirt. Um, I will give y'all the links to those things that can be posted in the summary of the episode. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, please, um, you know, support me any way you want to, any way you can. I try to be as accessible and affordable as possible while also accommodating my own needs. Um, really, I just think I love any support I can receive because I think a lot of people who are making original works um, often do not receive the same hype or support as people who are, um, you know, working on reboots or content based off of other franchises. And if you're really interested in having content by a communist non-binary lesbian about communist non-binary lesbians, but like in space and shit, then you'd really oh, yeah. love my work. Yeah. <laughs> Support queer artists. Yes. Yes. For sure. yes. If you want to point me towards more frog poems, I'm on Twitter at underscore glittergoblin underscore, and occasionally I link to other social medias from there when I have the spoons to be on social media. And you can find My Gay Agenda on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I don't know, probably the rest of them. And while you're there, why not go ahead and give us a rating? Uh, we've gotten some lovely uh, ratings and stars and stuff over the past couple of months, and it just warms our hearts. So... Thanks to everybody who's done so, so far. Thanks in advance to anybody who will. Um, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is GayAgendaCast. Uh, you can also join us on Patreon while you're uh, stopping to drop some support for Vin. Um, you can find monthly bonus content um, and join the ranks of Rachel, Peaceful Frog Higgins, <laughs> Tiny Sneal, Quentin J. Alexander, and Jim Nolan. Uh, thank you for joining us. Until next time, put this on your gay agenda. Change the world. Love yourself. Tell people what they're allowed to ask of you. I love that. Set some boundaries. Yeah, yeah. say no. Learn learn to say no. Learn to yes. learn to be a little, little mean if you gotta. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our gay agenda. Okay, everybody, I want you to look in the mirror today. I want you to say no three times and then, you know, say it's okay to have wants and needs and to care about my own wants and needs. Oh my God, thank you. I love that.